Good morning, family. Whether you're joining us via YouTube, Facebook, or Impact Radio, a warm Hatfield welcome to you. Today, Pastor Louis continues to unpack Jesus' I Am statements from the Gospel of John, focusing on Jesus as the door through whom we are saved. Neither our own efforts or any other gods can open the door to the Father's house. Only Jesus is our doorway to freedom from the bondage of this world. May you find Jesus welcoming you in today as we worship together. You're welcome to stand. Let's just worship the Lord together. It's a good time to flex the eye muscles and just give one another a smile with the eyes. I think our eyes are getting stronger in this time. So come, now is the time to worship. Come, now is the time to give your heart. Come, just as you are to worship. Come, just as you are before your God. So come, now is the time to worship, come, now is the time to give your heart, come, just as you are to worship, come, just as you are before Tongue will confess you are God. One day every knee will bow. Still, the greatest treasure remains for those who gladly choose you now. One day every tongue will confess you are God. One day every knee will bow. Still, the greatest treasure remains for those who gladly choose you now. Just as you are before you, God, God. Oh, we declare that one day every time we'll confess you are God. One day every knee will bow. And still the greatest treasure remains for those who gladly choose you now. One day every time we'll confess you are God. One day every knee will bow. Still the greatest treasure remains for those who gladly choose you now. One day, one day every tongue will confess you are God. One day every knee will bow. Still the greatest treasure remains for those who gladly choose you now. God, one day every knee will bow. Still, the greatest treasure remains for those who gladly choose you now. And we gladly choose you now. We're here to worship you, Lord. We're here to give you all the glory. So we come. 
Lord, we come before you, God, the light of this world. We come to worship you, Lord. We come to pour out our lives. See my sin upon 
death your blood was shed for every moment every moment your life your death your blood was shed for every moment let's just think about that thankful we are for this amazing thought that you are all around us everywhere we go you are with us that we are never alone thank you for that Lord Jesus that we can go into the world every day go into our lives and take you with us and and be on a mission Lord to show people the light of the world which is Jesus thank you for this past week how you have been so faithful to us and we and we thank you for the next week and how you will be with us and we will see your hand in our lives and we thank you for that in Jesus name Amen. Well, it's great to be with you again on a Sunday. And uh, to all of you that have been joining us online over these months, and even those that have joined recently, or perhaps today's even your first day, I want to say it's so great to connect with you uh, across these platforms and to be part of with you and just what God is doing in your lives. And trust that you are growing and being strengthened and encouraged through these services. And I, I want to ask you, it's so great to hear from you. It's so great to just feel a connection with uh, online people because obviously we don't see who's watching and who's part of our services. Only when you send us comments either in the comment sections on Facebook or YouTube it's so great when you do that please continue to do that if you've never done that drop us a message just so that we know you are there uh, and even if you are listening on radio it'll be so great if you just connect with us uh, and send us a message you can say in a message to pray for me uh, uh, talk to us at hatfield.co.za if you're listening on the radio it'll be just so great to hear from you and to know that you're part of us and you're connected with us as we get ready to take up our offering today I also want to just encourage you those particularly that are viewing online um, just to thank you for the faithfulness in the giving that we've seen if you've not been giving at during this time yet won't you consider to make use of the bank account details or snapscan you know everything we do costs money and uh we are able to give this service for free and it's such a privilege and we're always going to do it for free. But it's based on the fact that there are people that faithfully contribute that makes it possible. This putting a production just this week's sermon together, cumulatively combined, takes more than 100 man hours, much more. 
uh, of people working together to make it all possible. And that's staff and volunteers. And uh, so your giving makes a difference. This message goes out all over the world and, and it's so great to hear from people from everywhere that are joining with us, part of us in this online platform. So we're going to get ready to give now. Just your tithes that you're paying, thank you for that. Thank you for your faithfulness. We know you're giving it to the Lord. The church is just the vehicle that uses that finances to the Lord's glory. And for the offerings that you give, uh, right now on your screen will be the bank account details for both churches and whichever one you connect to, give to that church. And uh, there's also SnapScan that you can use for offering if you would like to do so. So thank you for your faithfulness in giving. I continue to enjoy our series on I Am and finding it so encouraging just for my own life and uh, in our own family space. It's just been so wonderful. Today we're carrying on and we're talking about Jesus' next I Am statement, which is I Am the Door. Now, when Jesus makes that statement, I Am the Door, I think he had a different picture in mind. Well, I know that he had a very different picture in mind than what you and I have. When I use the word door today, what do you think of? Perhaps you think of your front door. Perhaps you think of your car door. Perhaps you think of a door of an elevator or the door to a, a shop or a or a business or something that you're thinking of. That wasn't the picture Jesus had in mind when he used the word, I am the door. And, it, and we must always be sure that we have the same thoughts in mind as close as it to what the original speaker had when they said something. So when Jesus used the word, I am the door, he's doing it in a context of John 10, where he talks two I am statements. And next week, we'll talk about the second one, which is I am the good shepherd. This week, we're going to be talking about I am the door. But both of these statements were made within the symbolism that Jesus was using of, the, of a pastoral life, of shepherding, of, of, of shepherds that look after sheep. And um, in their context of the day, I think many of you are aware of this, that, that they would have these enclosures that would often be attached to a home or to their houses where the sheep would be kept at night. And this would be like a wall, stone wall that they've built or even branches sometimes that they put. Uh, but there would be an opening, obviously, for where the sheep needs to come in from the, when they come from the field and the pasture in the day. They need to come in at night through a door into the enclosure. And that opening would be the door that Jesus would be speaking about. So it wouldn't physically have a door as we would think of it today. It would just be an opening in the walls or in the enclosure where the, where the, the sheep could come in. But what the shepherd would then do at night when all the sheep are in the enclosure, safely tucked away for the night, he would sleep in the doorway. And in that sense, the door was the shepherd. And it was his responsibility to make sure that nothing could get into the, the, the enclosure, the sheepfold at night, or that none of the sheep could get out. And that's why he slept in the door. So he was like the alarm system. He was the, the guy there right at the door. He was the door. So when Jesus says, I am the door, that's the picture he has in mind. And obviously the people of the day, being so close to pastoral life and, and sheep, they exactly knew what he was saying. And they knew and understood the context. That's the picture they had in mind. So think of a Jesus being the door, being the doorkeeper, the person that sleeps in the door that keeps the, the, the moving of the sheep and any other animals or, or thieves or robbers uh, that deals with that because he is the door. So when Jesus says, I am the door, we want to read the scripture and then look at some of the elements that that means. What does that mean? What does the door that he's talking about do? What is the function of that door? But let's read John 10, verse 6 to 10. If you're at home and sometime during this week, it'll be great for you to read from verse 1 to verse 10. But just for our time's sake today, I'm just going to read from verse 6 to verse 10. I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me are, were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. This translation, the New Living Translation, uses the word gate, but it's the same word in other translations. I am the door. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. We, we know John 10, 10 so well. I have come that they may have life and life in abundance. I chose a different John translation just so that it may have a bit of a fresh sound on our ear. In the context of what Jesus is doing here, remember we, last week we spoke about John 7, John 8, and John 9. And John 10 continues on. It's still in the same vein that he's talking. He is he's putting himself against the evil shepherds or the bad shepherds. 
And what he's actually doing is saying, I am the good shepherd and you need to contrast me with the shepherds that you have come to know, which are actually not good shepherds. And by that, he was mainly referring to the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the, the, the elders of their day. And he was saying that these have been your shepherds. These have been the shepherds that you have known and that you have followed. But I want to tell you they've not behaved as good shepherds because I am the good shepherd. So he's sort of, he's, he's, he's bouncing off of their um, lack and showing his fullness or by revealing his fullness, his goodness, showing how they have fallen short. And, and, and that's the context of this because Jesus has come to lead his sheep uh, into his pasture because that's where all people belong. All people belong in the, in the sheepfold of Jesus. They need to be, he is the only shepherd, the, the good shepherd. Everything else is less than, falls short. He begins in John 10 where he says, everything that has come before me. And by that he means everybody else um, falls short of being the shepherd that he is. He is the good shepherd. And, uh, and therefore, it's the ministry of Jesus that we have known. He's always busy moving people from the sheepfold where they used to be to his sheepfold and bringing them, including them, drawing them to his sheepfold. So it's in that context that he makes the statement, I am the door. The first thing I want to say about the door in this context is the door separates. The door separates. Um, if you think in the natural, that's what a door does. That's the purpose for a door, isn't it? A door helps us to create a movable barrier between two places. You come out from something into something, and what separates when you're coming from one to the next is the door. You move through a door. A door by nature separates, and even the shepherd sleeping at night is a separation. On the one side is the sheep, on the other side is the outside, is where the threats are. And Jesus is saying to us, I separate. I am the door and I will separate you from something. And, and it brings to mind the story of which we spoke a little bit about last week. Remember of the blind beggar that was healed by Jesus, that shouted out and Jesus healed him put mud on his face and told him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. He went and, and went and washed and then uh, went into the temple, obviously. And the Pharisees saw him, and saw him and they started taking him to task about how did he get healed. And they said, took him to his parents and they said, obviously he wasn't born blind. And they vouched for him and said, no, he was born blind. And, um, and the Pharisees were basically, because they're not the good shepherds, they are the bad shepherds, were not caring for this man, but just wanting to use this man to, to deny who Jesus really was and to break down the story of Jesus. And uh, so we read in, in John 9 verse 30, we read it last week, but let me just remind you of that. Now that that, that is remarkable, the, the blind man that was blind answers the Pharisees, he says, you don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. So this man was basically saying to them, logically, this guy healed me. If he's not from God, how could he have healed me? He is the good shepherd. He is the one that cared enough for me to do something. And, and can you see the Pharisees, how they treated this man differently? And they, they weren't excited about the fact that he was healed. To them, that was a problem because they're not good shepherds. They don't care for him. They're not looking after him. If actually, they excommunicated him from the temple. They threw him out. They kicked him out of the faith. And that had repercussions and possibly also meant that his family couldn't associate with him anymore if they wanted to stay in the faith. So can you see the separation that happened in this man's life? Once he belonged, once he was something, he had an identity. It, even if that identity was that he was the blind beggar, people knew him. He fitted in. He belonged. He had his place. But then Jesus stepped onto the scene and Jesus, the door, separated him. And, the, and the, that amazing words that he said, you know, where he says, I was blind, but now I can see. Now he was no longer part of their pasture or their sheepfold, but he had come into the sheepfold of Jesus. Paid a great, great price. They had to leave that behind to come into the pasture of Jesus. Think of Paul the Apostle. You know, the scripture says that he was the Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was the brightest rising star 
among the Pharisees. He was the young guy that had the best future in the Pharisees. He, he had a place to belong. He had recognition. He had everything he needed and, and, and stature and, and position and income secured and everything as a Pharisee of the Pharisees. This up and rising young star in their midst. And then he meets Jesus on the road to Damascus. And he's blinded, thrown off his donkey, completely humbled in that situation. Falling from a place of honor and expectation and potential and privilege onto the dust. Blind, groping around, not knowing what's going on. Through that, he left and was separated from the pasture or the sheepfold of the bad shepherds and became part of the good shepherd's flock. But he had to be separated. It's uncomfortable for us to think about that, isn't it? It's uncomfortable to think about having to leave something familiar, something good, something that we have become comfortable with. And the challenge of stepping in. Stepping into. But that we have to understand. And I know the world today doesn't like to think about it like that. We want everybody to belong. But the reality is our faith is exclusive. Our faith does have a line. There is a door that you have to cross. There is, a, there is something you have to leave. And there is something you have to enter. Not everybody is part of the sheepfold of Jesus. Everybody can be part of the sheepfold. Jesus wants everybody to be part of the sheepfold. There's no natural exclusion but there is a, a, a division. Jesus said, do you think I've come to bring peace? But I have come to bring division. He, he even said that families will turn against each other. And many of you have experienced that. The moment you came to faith in Jesus, didn't you find that you were separated? You were divided from some others. Even if you tried. I just heard this week of a friend of one of our sons that turned to Jesus and gave the, her faith to Jesus. And how her friends have now rejected her. Even though she tried so much to, to keep their friendship, there's a separation. And we have to understand that that's what the door means. The door separates. The second thing I want to say about the door, the door requires a decision. Because the door separates, it requires a decision. You, if you think about it, you didn't just wander into the sheep pen by accident. If the shepherd was lying in the door, there was a decision you had to make. That would allow you to cross over from the one side to the other side. The, the, the door requires a decision. If you go from one room to the next through a door, it's a decision that you make. Unless, you know, your mind has left you. But there's a decision that we make. The, the, the door requires a decision. I know we live in a world that promotes, you know, relativism in terms of you have your truth and I have my truth. And everybody belongs. Everybody, you know, is part of because we, we have this plurality of, of whatever. Whatever, you, whatever works for you is fine. But I want to tell you, nobody lives like that, actually. Not even the most secular person can live like that. For instance, when it comes to money, measurements, and medicine, how many of you know you have to have objective truth? Think about money. If somebody owes you a hundred rand, and they, and, and, they, and they come to you. So they owe you a hundred rand. This hundred rand. They owe you. But then they say to you, you know, relative to your income and my income, you earn roughly about double what I do. So therefore, my 50 rand relative to our income is the same value as your hundred rand. Therefore, I'm only going to repay you 50, this 50. But to me, this 50 is a hundred. So to you, it must also be a hundred. How many of you know that makes no sense? Because money has an objective value that is set. If I give you 100 rand, it is reasonable to expect that you will give me 100 rand back. I can't come to you and say, well, to you 100 rand is, is, is 100 rand. To me, 50 rand is 100 rand. That makes no sense. Imagine getting on the scale in the morning. And then you look at the scale and it gives you that number. You know, 100 kilograms or 80 kilograms or whatever it is. And you stand there and you go, well... I don't quite feel like 100 kilograms. I feel more like an 80. So, you know, I'm not going to take this seriously. I feel like I'm an 80 and therefore I'm an 80. How many of you know you might as well then not use the scale? This value of the scale is in that it has an objective measurement. That it is set. How you feel about it doesn't change it. You, you can feel like an 80, but if the scale says you're 100, you're 100. Think of medicine. 
If you, if you go to the doctor and, and the doctor prescribes you 2.5 milligrams three times a day, but you say, oh, I really feel sick. I really feel so bad. I'm going to take all of that medicine in one go. How many of you know you're overdosing? Because you have allowed relative feelings to determine your reaction. There are things in this life that is objectively true. And it doesn't matter how we feel about them. Our emotions cannot influence them. If you spend your money dictated by your emotions, you're going to get in trouble. If you use measurements and you dictate them by your feelings, you're going to get in trouble. If you use medicine according to your feelings and not according to the objective standards set by the medical professional, you're going to get in trouble. And so it is with things like, like uh, uh, morals. There are moral absolutes also. And other metaphysical things like faith in our religion. There is moral, uh, there's absolute truth. And that we have to understand when Jesus says, I am the door, he's putting something down and he's saying, if you want to be inside of this door, you have to exercise a choice. And that choice is determined by me, not by what you want. The shepherd would determine at night who's inside the flock and who's outside. They were the absolute. The sheep could come around and say, listen, I feel like I belong in your flock. I feel like I'm, I should be part of your flock. The shepherd says, no, no, you are not part of my flock. I don't know you. I know you actually belong to my friend, the shepherd next door. You're part of his flock. You've got to go there. You're not part of my flock. And so Jesus is saying, I'm the door. If you want to be in my flock, there's a choice. There's a decision you have to exercise. I'm going to read for you the scripture that come on your screen. 2 Peter, 1 verse, or 2 Peter 2 verse 1 to 3. Peter uses the same kind of language that Jesus is saying. And he says this, but there were also false prophets among the people. Just as there were false teachers among you, these bad shepherds, the evil shepherds, they will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them and their destruction has not been sleeping. There's truth and there's lies. And you know that. You live like that. You believe that. And you want to make sure that you exercise your decisions on the truth and for the truth. The, the word that Peter uses here, for, and it's translated in, our, uh, in verse 3 there as fabricated stories, is, a, is in the Greek it's the word plastos, where we get our word plastic from. And he's literally using a concept of, of like how plastic can be molded to fit any shape that you want it to. There's people that... Promote truth, but it's plastic. It's fabricated. It can mold and fit into any situation so that anybody can feel comfortable with it. It doesn't challenge anybody. It doesn't exclude anybody. It doesn't, it doesn't make anybody feel like what they're doing is not right. It's a, it's a fabricated truth. It's the plastic. There's so much in this world that is plastic at this moment, that is moldable, that, is, that, that just fits everything. That's not truth. Truth by its nature, as Jesus said, is a two-edged sword. Truth separates. It sets free because it defines something is right and something is wrong. You cannot be set free if everything is right. How can you be set free? Because then what is, is. Then you've just got to get used to what you're doing and in living and accept that because that is what is. But freedom comes when we say, that's wrong, this is right. Therefore, I can be taken from the right to the wrong. And that's what Jesus says. It requires that decision. It requires that understanding of the truth. Years ago, there was this old chorus in a Sunday school. And it says this, one door and only one. And yet its sides are two. Inside and outside. On which side are you? One door and only one. I want to ask you that question. On which side of you? You know, we have to make that choice. Have you made that choice? But let me continue and I'll bring you back to that question. The door saves. Because the door separates, because the door requires a decision, therefore the door saves. The door brings salvation. It saves us 
from the outside and brings us to the inside. There's three things I want to highlight about salvation that is true to the door. And by the way, I forgot to say it earlier. One of my resources that I've been using for this series is a, is, is the, is a book by Warren Wiersbe. And I really used his outline for this message particularly, so I want to recognize that. And, and it's an excellent book that he wrote on, on the I am statements of Christ. And, and uh, like I said, I used that outline for this sermon particularly. But when we get saved, salvation brings life. We have life because of salvation. We get given life. When we make that decision to move, we move from death to life. Think of that blind beggar. You know, that blind beggar encountered Jesus because he had a need and he cried out and he said, heal me. The Lord healed him, but that didn't mean he found life yet. Even though he met the Lord in the temple, he didn't find life in the temple. It's only when he placed his faith in Jesus, when he proclaimed, Jesus, you are my Lord, that he found life. Again, that decision that had to be exercised. He found life because he found Jesus. I want to tell you, it's so great that you connect on, on online platforms like this and you're part of a service and, you, and in that sense you come to church and you be part of the church. But I want to tell you, coming to church doesn't mean you have found life. You found the place where it's possible to find life. But it's only when you find Jesus. It's only when you meet the shepherd, when you encounter the door and you make the decision to come through the door and, and be prepared to be separated from your past life, that you become saved. It requires that step. This man met Jesus and that changed his life. He became part of he was no longer an alien and a stranger, but he was a member of God's household. The, the greatest thing in the world you could want. But you have to leave in order to find. Salvation brings freedom. Salvation is freedom. It's life. The picture of a sheep pen can feel like a restrictive picture. You know, the sheep has to be inside. But just remember, the sheep only spent a certain amount of time inside. The rest of the time they were outside. And that's part of what the door does. The door is a movable ob uh, uh, obstruction. The door opens and the door closes. At night, you know, after the day, the shepherd would come, put the sheep in the pen, and then close the door himself at the door. But in the day, the morning, he'd open that door. He'd get up and he'd tell the sheep to go. Then they had to go into the pasture. They had to go and run around. They had to exercise. They had to find food to eat. They had to live their lives. And most of the sheep's time was actually spent outside. But even there, the shepherd was with them. He was still the door. And that's the wonderful thing about Jesus saying, I'm the door. Because that's not confined to a place. That's being with us. And isn't that the amazing thing we've seen over this lockdown time? The church of the Lord, you cannot lock it in a building. The church is more than a building. There's this rhythm in our lives as believers where sometimes we come in and sometimes we go out. And that's through the door. It's by the door that we do that. We use the language in our church so often of, of the gathered and the scattered church. There's the time where we're the gathered church, where we come in so that the shepherd can look after us, so that the shepherd can make sure we're secure and, 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 and check up on us that everything's okay. But there's times where the shepherd then says, no, okay, now you've got to go out. And the overconfident sheep will want to be out all the time and never want to come in. And the timid sheep will want to be in all the time and never go out. But you can't be either or. It's a both and. It's both scattered and gathered life. And I know that presents some bit of a challenge nowadays where people may feel like, like you know, can I go to church and should I go to church? And, and I mean, it's great that we connect online like this. And, and I, that's fantastic. I, we, we celebrate that and we're trying to lean into that and get better at how we do online church. And we think it's, it's for the future. We're going to continue. But I want to say to you, gathering like this is, a, is part of gathering. It's so necessary. That we have relationships with people. That we experience life with people. That we go in and out. In and out. Perhaps you become so comfortable with Sunday church. Which is great. I don't want to diminish that. But make sure you have a rhythm in your life. Where there's a going out and a coming in. A going out and a coming. Obviously in COVID-19. With all the restrictions and responsible behavior. But go out, come in. Go out, come in. We cannot be out all the time. We cannot be in all the time. We have to do both. And then salvation is joy. 
There's joy in salvation. And the shepherd brings us into his flock. And when we come in, we find joy in him. There's, there's joy. And that's what Jesus said, that I have come that you may have life and life in abundance. Filled with joy, overflowing. There, there's some levels of joy that we may think we have. And it's actually just happiness that we find outside in the other sheep pens. But you really want to know joy, come into the shepherds, the good shepherd. There is joy for us. Psalm 23, that great pastoral psalm, says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Everything. He is my shepherd in everything. So there's joy in that. The, the next one I want to say about the door is the door is compassionate. The door is compassionate. Because of this movable nature of the door, it opens and closes. There's a compassion in it. And what motivates that door is the love that Jesus has for us. When Jesus says, I'm the door, he loves us. He loves everybody. He loves every person, every created person. There's nobody that is naturally outside. Everybody can be inside. Because God is compassionate and God loves us. But you see, when there's an inside Something like this becomes possible that the shepherd would do every day. Every day after the sheep has been in the field and you know they've run around and he kept an eye on them. But they ran around and, and some of them got into some thorn bushes and some of them you know, twisted an ankle or some of them you know, whatever. At night when they come in, he'd stand in the door and one by one he lets that sheep come past. And when that sheep comes past him, he looks at the sheep. He probably takes the sheep, his head in his, in his hands, looks at the face of the sheep. Did the sheep get a bit of sunburn? And that's where it speaks about the, the balm of the anointing oil that the shepherd would rub on their faces just you know, to keep their faces soft and just tenderly care for them. If they had some briars and things stuck in their wool, he would remove it from them. If they, if they needed some attention because they got an injury, he would attend to their or separate them and later attend to their injury. But every sheep would get individual attention. Because that's what the shepherd does. But that didn't happen out. That happened in. And there's a compassion. And you know, when I come to these last two points, this one and the next one, I, I want to highlight the, this amazing thought. That people like me that carry the, the title pastor and others that operate in that gifting and in that, in that calling of shepherding, pastoring, caring, we have the same title as what Jesus had. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. That's the title we have, is shepherd. And, and, and I believe the scripture teaches us that that's the base gift for the church, is the, the pastoral gift. That's why I, I love being called pastor, not as a title or some, some form of reverence or separates me from people, but it, it's my job description. It's not a title, it's a job description. I'm a, I'm a pastor. You know, I'm not a prophet. I'm not a, I'm a pastor. That's a fantastic privilege. I'm a pastor that is there to, to represent Jesus in his compassion for the sheep. And again, it's so great that we connect online. But make sure you have opportunity for pastoral people, shepherding people, to look at you. To look at you and see, is your face sunburnt? Have you got stuff stuck on you? Have you got a little bit of an injury that needs attention or perhaps a big injury? And if you don't come by every now and then, if you don't have a good rhythm, who, who does that? Who checks up on you? Psalm 23 verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. That's our heart for our gatherings. Is we prepare a table in the presence of the Lord. Doesn't matter what's happening around us. Doesn't matter what the enemy is doing. In, in the presence of the Lord, we find sustenance, we find security, we find strength so that tomorrow we go out again. But we've got to come in and go out. And that because of that compassion. I know there's people that right now that are going through really difficult times. Uh, uh, Wiesbe in his commentary says, uh, I've had enough pastoral experience to know that almost every church has its share of problem people as well as people with problems. Problem people, no matter what you do for them, their problem will never go away because they actually like their problem. People with problems sometimes are people that have problems, but they, so, they don't want to tell anybody. I want to tell you, the church of the Lord Jesus, in our compassion, is there to see lives transformed. Sometimes that challenges the people with problems get invited and get cared and get helped. The, pe the problem people get challenged. 
And we all have both of those. I can tell you sometimes I've been a problem person and sometimes I've been a person with problems. But it's this good shepherd that knows how to deal with us. And that's our job within the church. Not just full-time people, but all our amazing community group leaders that we have, our shepherds, just people, the, the, the leaders of our various discipleship streams that does amazing things of just being shepherding towards people. The last thing I want to say about the door that Jesus says, I am the door, the door protects. The door protects. The door is there to provide safety. It was the shepherd's number one job was to protect the sheep, was to make sure that the sheep are safe, that nobody gets lost. Now, every shepherd loses sheep. Every shepherd, even when they sleep in that door at night, sometimes there's stubborn sheep and they find a way out of that sheep pen. And, and some get stolen. Some wander off in the day and don't come back. It happens. But it's the heart of the shepherd is to protect. That's why they have a, star, a rod and a staff. They pull that sheep closer when that sheep is wandering off too far. They sometimes say, hey, come back here. And, 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 and other times they use that, that rod and they will beat a, 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 an animal that comes or, or a thief that comes to steal. It's part of the job of a shepherd. It's not any good shepherd doesn't love that part of the job always, but they're very good at it. They know how to do it. And when it comes to people, our, our job as shepherds, as pastoral people, is, is very gently. And, and it's one of the difficult things to do is when you see somebody wandering off. Because you've got you to trust, give them trust. You've got to allow the Holy Spirit and give chance for the Holy Spirit to do something in their life that, that you may not think is right. But we still have to so often come to somebody and say, hey, listen, won't you just consider, just be aware. I think you're wandering off a bit. Come closer. Come back. Don't stray. Because we know what's going to happen down the line as people stray. In Acts 20, verse 28, we read this to verse 31. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God. Which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you, and I will, and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I have never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. This is Paul speaking. Paul, his title was Apostle Paul, but he was a pastor at heart. He was a shepherd. That shepherded not just one church, but many churches. He shepherded God's people. He warns them. He, he draws them closer. And he says, I'm here to protect you. You need protection. I, don't, I know we feel tough and we feel like you know, we're self-made people and independent. And you know, nobody needs to look after me. I want to tell you we all need protection. I need protection. I need the protection of the community of the faith. Against enemies from within and enemies from without. We need protection. And that's why God instituted in churches that there are responsible leaders that are not self-appointed, but appointed by others, set apart for this purpose to oversee, to look after, to discern, to make the decisions, to say what comes in and what stays out. Aren't you glad that everything's outside can't come inside? Because then what use is inside God? Aren't you glad there's places where we can retreat into and say this is a safe place? And that's our job. And, and that's why every church is not just led by one person, because even that one person can, can become part of the problem. That's why we have elderships and we have community of leaders. We have teams of people that work together in our churches that make sure that we, we limit the possibility of any, that this is a safe place. And I want to encourage you, right now, you need protection. You need to know that there's in your life a coming in and a going. And this online services is part of that. You're coming in. And make full use of it. But I want to encourage you also. Build relationships. Foster relationships. So that there are people that know you. You know, it's fantastic through the online. But let's be true, real. You are getting to know me a lot better than what I'm getting to know you. You are getting to know our church. Hatfield South or Hatfield. You're getting to know us a lot better than we are getting to know you. Ultimately... This needs to be a two-way relationship where for us to walk together. So I invite you, find the rhythm that, that, that the Holy Spirit leads you, where there's a rhythm in your life of coming in, going out, so that the shepherd can be the door. So Jesus says, I am the door. I want to just remind you of my five descriptors of the door. The door separates. 
The door requires decision. The door saves. The door is compassionate. And the door protects. Aren't you thankful for Jesus in your life? I want to finish the message today and again, just invite you. If you want prayer, there's an there's a email address for both churches. Pray for me at hccsouth.co.za or pray for me at hatfield.co.za. You can use whichever platform you're watching this through. And if you have a prayer request, send them. Or even if you're on the radio, send a prayer request to any of those addresses. But there's also a link right now that you can follow on the screen. And there's somebody in a digital room that's ready to meet with you and just have a moment and pray with you. And if you have never made the decision to become part of the flock of Jesus, we've all had to make that decision. It's a decision. You can't say, I feel like I'm a Christian, therefore you're a Christian. You have to have made that decision. Just like you can't say, I don't feel like I'm a Christian. But if I've made the decision, I am. Let me tell you, there's days where I don't feel like I'm, but I am because of the covenant I have with Jesus, because of the faith I put in his sacrifice and his death and resurrection. Have you made that decision? Have you prayed that prayer? I'm going to pray that prayer right now. And I want you to pray with me. If you want to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, if you want to make that decision to be one of his sheep, then pray this prayer with me. Just pray this after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I recognize that I'm on the outside. But I want to be on the inside. And I recognize that you want me on the inside. And that's why Jesus died for me. I want to confess my sin today. I want to recognize that I don't deserve to be on the inside. But I ask that you will save me. That you will bring me into your fold. Make me one of your sheep. And therefore I receive you, Lord, as my Savior and my Lord. I give you my life. I turn away from my old life and I turn towards you and I say, Lord, make me new. And I thank you, Lord, that you receive me as your sheep, that you receive me as one of your flock. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. It's so important if you prayed that prayer that you contact us and get in contact with somebody that can help you, give you some material, just pray with you and get you going on a journey. And again, like I've been saying all along, have a good rhythm in your life of coming in and going out. Connect with us. We want to know you. We want to be able to just journey with you in this amazing privilege of being part of Jesus' flock. Love you so much. Have a fantastic week. Remember, we do devotionals on Tuesday. I'll see you there if you want to. Uh, otherwise, we'll see you next Sunday again. Cheers. What an encouraging message. Thank you, Pastor Louis. Kids, we've got exciting news for you. We've created a C4G playlist on the Hatfield Christian Church YouTube channel with special videos just for you. So ask mom and dad to tune in every Sunday morning at nine o'clock throughout November. The next video will give you a sneak peek into the kind of shows we've prepared just for you because you're that special. Ilza and Anne will be sharing with us what we should do when people say mean things to us. Enjoy! You are so useless. You are such a disaster to your friends. No one likes you. Oh, and how you smell. Your nose is also way too small. Hi, Anne. How are you? I'm fine. You're fine? Yes, I'm fine. You don't seem fine. I'm fine. She doesn't seem fine. Something's wrong. I wonder what it is. She look, it looks like she's crying. I have a plan. I have some cookies. Cookies will do it. I'm going to share with her. Here they are. And would you like a cookie? Don't come near me. What's wrong? Don't come near me. I smell. You don't smell. Why do you say you smell? Go back, go back. They told me I smell. Who told you you smell, Anne? I can't, I can't tell you. I can't tell you. No. That's very mean. Did they say anything else? Yes, they said that I'm useless and nobody would want to be my friend because I smell. No, 
that is so mean. I can see that you you are actually believing what they are telling you. Of course, yes. No. Wouldn't you? I don't think you should. I don't believe those things. You are very nice. You're my friend, Anne. And you don't smell. <gasps> I've got a plan. Let's look inside our C4G box to see if there's a solution. Okay. Let's, let's go. Look. Let's go. Do you want to open it? Yes, please. Let's, let's see what's inside. Oh, wow. That's strange. What is this? A shoe? A shoe? Ooh. 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 Smell this. <coughs> oh. This is what smelling bad is. You don't smell like this at all. You sure I don't no, smell, no, smell this like that? No, something died in there. This is not good at all. <gasps> Maybe we can use this and hit the bully over the head with it. Whoever said those mean words to you? Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. No, I actually don't think so. Because no. then we are just as mean as what he is. Oh, yeah, maybe you're right. This maybe shoe is not a that. solution, no. Okay, let's see what else is in here. <gasps> this is our solution. What, what, what is that? A Bible. Oh, I've never seen one. God's words. And have you heard of God? Vaguely. When you I was know what? earlier, hey, God is your creator. He loves you. He, lo he made you. He loves everything about you. And he doesn't say any mean things like the Buddha said. Doesn't he? No. And don't you think we should rather believe the person that made us than a mean bully? Maybe. I'm, I'm not sure though. Let's read. Ecclesiastes 7 verse 21 says, don't take everything people say to heart. It says it there, and So it says God's telling us the words that people say, especially the mean words, don't take them to heart. Don't let it hurt you and make you angry or even believe it. I sh shouldn't believe what they say to Not me. Not at all. Are you because sure? Because they are jealous and they are being mean. And God loves you. God cares for you. God thinks you are beautiful and perfect just the way you are. We should rather believe that. I think maybe I should, I should believe that. Yes, I think that maybe if I see somebody else that feels just the way that I did and hurt from what people say to me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show them the Bible. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, you know what, And Living for God is sometimes hard, but it's worth it. So we must tell others about His plan. And if somebody else's heart is hurting like yours were, we can make it feel better. I think we should try that. So read your Bible and see all the promises that God has and what He thinks of you, not what the Buddhist thinks of you. Oh, I'm going to have to read the Bible. Can I pray for you? Yes, please. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that Annie's my friend and that you have made her beautifully and with a purpose, Father. And I pray that you would help us to be there for others. If we see anyone that's sad or not feeling good enough, Father, that we would share your word, this verse that we learned, Father, that we shouldn't take their words to heart, but that we should believe what you say, Father. And I know sometimes it's hard, but we know it's worth it, Father God, to live for you, Father, and to help others and make them see um, just what you think of them, Father. So help us and give us the courage to go to others and share your beautiful words with them and how much you love them. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you. I feel so much better I'm so now. glad. Could, could we eat your cookies now? That's a good idea. Oh, Let's, I'll make us some tea. Wonderful. Come, thank Come. you.